0: Our scripture reading today is from Hosea 3 and the Lord said to me go again love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress even as the Lord loves the children of Israel though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethek of barley and I said to her you must dwell as mine for many days you shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I be also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. This is the word of God. Well, we
1: continue on with our sermon series about broken people and a whole God, a complete God. A God who chases after us and pursues us. A God who is all that is all that is all that is ever needed for us. And today we come to this place where we're talking about relational brokenness. Um, I have five children most of you know. I mean, they're not, most of them aren't children really anymore. Um, but I have five. And so, because of that, I have spent a lot of time watching Disney movies. Now, as an aside, if I didn't have any children, I would probably spend a lot of time watching Disney movies. I like them a lot. I, I like the animated movies, I like the live action movies, I like the fact that they're acquiring all sorts of other. Uh, properties uh, that I like, like Marvel and the Muppets and all those kind of things, because they all fall under Disney now. Um, But one of the things that's most interesting to me about Disney movies, and particularly animated movies, and particularly the princess animated movies, so those movies that are about princesses, those movies that are about those women or little girls who grow up to be women, one of the most interesting things about them is, It's rare, and I really kind of tried to think through this this week, if at all, that the princesses in those movies have flaws that make them so unworthy that nobody would want them. Now, now I thought through this. So I mean, now they might be a little dim. They might not, you know, be all there catching everything that's going on. Um, We think of uh, Anna in Frozen, who says we finish each other's sandwiches. Uh, in the song, which definitely would be not the right thing. It's sentences, uh, but she didn't care about that. Uh, Snow White, obviously not recognizing, never eat an apple from a stranger. Probably not the smartest princess that there is. Uh, they might sometimes be a little disobedient. To their dads we think of ariel the the mermaid the little mermaid who really has this sort of thing against her dad and, and doesn't want to obey him at all and I, I mean maybe that but you know she's got these really nice legs once she gets rid of that tail and she uh is walking around and yeah she doesn't have a voice but you know they didn't make her look like an old hag either uh and so you think about may, maybe elsa in Frozen, maybe she's bad, but really she's not. She has all this goodness inside of her until she decides to let it go, let it go, right? Because she's gonna not hold back anymore. So, really, none of them have anything too difficult to overcome. Uh, they're really kind of like probably people in our lives where we think, well, you're not so awful that I can't have a relationship with you, but. You certainly kind of take me off sometimes. That's not the case with the scripture that we're reading today. That's not the case with the woman named Gomer in this passage. Gomer really is unlovable. Check this out. I'm pretty sure you would be like me and want to have a conversation with God. If you're Hosea. Hosea is a prophet. He works for God. He's been commissioned and called. And God says to him, I need you so that you can show Israel what they've done and you can show Israel really more importantly who I am and what I need and what I do. I need you to go find a prostitute and I want you to go have that prostitute and bring her into your house and make her your wife. And then I want you to have children with that prostitute, although they might not be your children. Because she'll still practice prostitution while she's living in your house. Then I want you to name them names that you would never want to say to anybody out loud. Not my people. That was one of the names of the children. Not my people. People, Can you imagine holding your newborn baby and you're kind of presenting her off? This is not my people. Probably wouldn't go very well, would it? And what does Hosea do? He goes and does it. Now, that's not what I would have done. I would have said, God, let's make a deal here. How, how about I find somebody who's just sort of Irritating. Not a prostitute. How about I find somebody that maybe had a lot of boyfriends, but how about I make sure that the children are mine? Then she leaves. She goes away. She goes back into her life of prostitution. She goes back into that place, and God says, go get her. I mean, you have to think that Hosea maybe was like, <laughs> all right, she's gone. That was a good test, Lord. Thanks for testing me. Hopefully I passed. Or, or maybe he thought to himself, I'm not sure what lesson this is, object lesson. Flannel graphs might have been better, but okay. And he goes. And not only does he go and get her and bring her home, he goes and he pays money. I mean, really, it's an amazing story of pursuit. And in that chapter 3 that Jane read for us, we recognize that what God is saying is that, Israel, this is you. You are Gomer, and I am Hosea. I am coming for you. I am moving towards you. That I am pursuing you with all unconditional, steadfast love. That I can't help but get enough of you. And he says the same to us. He actually looks out at us and he says to us, I love you. I have steadfast, faithful love for you. That I am coming for you. And I have bought you. I have paid for you. And not in some sort of acquiescence. Not in some sort of, well, if that's how much she costs, then I'll take it but in a I will give anything for you to have you back. When we read this story, when we hear of this movement, we should be captured and caught because God is saying, there is nothing you can do that will stop my pursuit of you. And there's nothing about you that would make me want to pursue you outside of the fact that I have chosen to pursue you. That I'm the one who has called you by name. That I'm the one who has built you and recognized you, created you, and made you. That I know all of who you are. Stop. (laughs) I need to stop. Think about this. Oftentimes we talk about God as a judge. Someone who sits on a throne and he has a kingdom and he rules over it. And that's not not true. That's true. Uh, Sometimes we talk about God as a master creator and builder. One who knows all the ins and outs of the universe and pulls it all together. But if we read through Hosea, what we see is a mad, crazy lover. Do you have a relationship in your life at some point where you did something really stupid for somebody that you loved? That somebody would look at you and go, Really? Why would you do that? That's out of the norm. My friend Judd Wilhite, who's a pastor in the States, wrote a book about the book of Hosea, and it's really great. And he talks about his relationship with his wife, Lori, and how he would do these stupid things, like drive 14 hours, because they lived in a different city overnight, so that he could be with her for 14 hours, and then turn around and drive back 14 hours in order to be back at work. That's not smart. But love. Caused him to do that. He talks about the fact that he would go around and get all his change because he would spend basically what he made that week in long distance calls. This was before you know, you had free cell phone, long distance, and all that. You kids will never know that pain. And he would talk about rolling dimes and quarters and pennies so that he could pay the phone bill that was going to come up that would be like $500, $600, $700 of money he really didn't have. Why? Just so he could hear a little minute thing about Lori's life. You could get an iPhone almost for that now. <laughs> That's crazy. And think about that, too. He was on, you know, like a landline and basically had to walk around like this talking to her. He couldn't go anywhere else, couldn't do anything else. He had to be attached. That's really crazy. That's the God that we see here in Hosea. A God who will do what? What do you mean? This person who's so far away, this person who does not deserve love, that we would look at and go, does not deserve love. That's the person that you want to pursue? And oftentimes what we'll do as well is we'll say, well, I'm probably like Hosea, really. I'm not like Gomer. Right? But the reality is, We are like Gomer. We're like Gomer in that we get called to something, we get moved to something, and yet this thing over here looks so much better to us that we follow it and move. Don't you think that Hosea said, I'm not sure why this relational brokenness is going to bring you glory. I'm not sure why this relational brokenness is going to give you any honor, God. I'm not sure that this lesson is really worth telling in this way. And sometimes in our own lives, we probably have relationships that we look at and we go, we're not sure how this is honoring God at all. We're not positive how this is beneficial for my life. As a matter of fact, there are some people I need to let go of in my life because they shouldn't be there. We have relationships that fall apart. I I think there's probably three reasons why relationships fall apart. Some are practical. Practical reasons why they fall apart. So for instance, oh, I don't know, maybe God has decided that it's good for your family to move halfway around the world to another hemisphere. And you don't talk to people that you used to talk to anymore. And you text them because you can but they don't respond. And you email them because you can, and they don't respond. And you Skype them, and they don't answer. And you think to yourself, man, I really thought that was a good friendship. But life's busy, and it's 12 or 13 hours difference. So when it's noon for me, it's midnight or one for them. That's pretty rude of me to call it one. Or they call me at 8 in the morning for them, and it's 8 at night for me, and I'm in bed by then because I'm tired. And the emails get further and further between because life is busy and things happen. And even though you might feel like you've been pursuant, you also stop. And so practically things happen. You move away. You were in a job with somebody, and at that job you were great friends, and you used to do lunch together every time, and then you leave that job. So there's practical reasons why relationships end. Just proximity and location and time. There's also apathy, though. Apathy is another reason why relationships end. For some reason within our minds, those relationships that were so important at some point, we become apathetic to them because there are other relationships maybe we want to pursue or there are other things that we want to be involved in or there's other things that take place. Maybe sport for our children, become more and more important. And so there were times that we used to be able to hang out with people that now we don't. But that's okay because doing sport with my children is more important than this. And so we just begin to have apathy towards it. We begin to think that that relationship, while it was important, is not that important anymore and I just shouldn't care. I think probably more telling for all of us is this, is conflict. Conflict creeps in to relationships, that disagreements arise, a misunderstanding takes place, and instead of walking together within that conflict, we allow it to build a wall between us. To where we say, well, we're just never going to agree on this, and we can't agree to disagree, so it's probably better for us to go our separate ways. That there's no reason to pursue this relationship anymore. And so when we look at Hosea and Gomer and this broken relationship where Hosea clearly is saying, I'm not sure this is the best way for you to receive glory. What God is saying is, it is the exact way that I'm going to receive glory because it is me telling the story of who I am as a God who pursues pursues relentlessly for you as my beloved. That says there's nothing practical about it, that I will never have apathy towards you, and there is no conflict that I will not overcome to get to you. And so when we start to see that as God's mode, as the way that he works, as the way that he proclaims who he is, then it moves into our hearts and tells us we should also be pursuing the other. We should be moving in directions towards one another, finding out and stepping in, practically moving closer to one another. (laughs) Allowing God to transform our apathy into care for one another. And every time, and listen, there will be conflict. Every time there is conflict, we say to one another, what is the area that I need to repent of? Where is the place that I need to come to you and say, forgive me, I was wrong in this way. Now, God, in this story, does not have to go to Gomer through Hosea and say, I was wrong. As a matter of fact, God says, no, I am here and I am pursuing you through Hosea to Gomer. He says that to Israel. He says that to us. Because he's not wrong. He's ever pursuing. We, on the other hand, are fleshy. Some of us more than others. And we have to be able to say, where have I been wrong? And listen. And receive and seek forgiveness. In order to why? To have relationship grow. Because Ephesians 2 tells us that Christ on the cross put to death hostility. That it no longer exists. And so that we are made for him and for one another. We are built for relationship. But more than just being pursuing of the other, We have to be able to be pursued. One of the interesting things about Hosea uh, uh, and the story is that Gomer comes in and then she leaves. And she has to then be pursued. Now she really doesn't want to be pursued. And our hearts often don't want to be pursued. Our hearts often want to go to a place where we say we can figure this out on our own. We're strong enough and smart enough and good-looking enough that we can make this happen. We don't need any help from anybody else. We don't need relationship from anybody else. We can be on our own in this. But the simple fact is, is that's relationally broken. And God seeks to bring glory in that because when we recognize that we can't do it on our own, that in fact He has built us together as a body in order to care for one another, in order to be for one another, then we can rest in the place of being pursued. Too often we think that we're unworthy of being pursued. Don't you think Gomer probably felt that way as she left and ran back to prostitution? Don't you think that she thought, I'm just doing what's better for the kids and for Hosea? And what God, through Hosea, is saying is, you are worth. Worthy of being pursued. Stop believing the lie that gets told to you from your heart through Satan, yes, Satan, who whispers in your ear and says, "Mm, You're not good enough. You're not right enough. You've not done the good things. I love you. I am chasing after you. I am longing for you. I think there's one other thing that happens in this story for us as we think about being relationally broken and how God can move in that to bring glory to himself and reveal who he is, that he is the ever-pursuing, steadfast, loving God, creator of the world who knows us better than anybody else. It's this. One of the most interesting things about this is it says it here, in Hosea 3 where um, Hosea goes and redeems his wife and he alludes to going out for the favor of men and raisin cakes. It's kind of an interesting aside, right? Raisin cakes. Hosea, Gomer leaves Hosea because there's something in that other relationship. There's something in those other men that she feels in her flesh will satisfy her. She thinks that there's something in that relationship that is better than the relationship with Hosea. Sometimes in our lives, we will elevate a relationship higher than it should be. We will move a relationship that maybe we have with a friend or we have with a spouse or we have with a coworker, or we have with a child. And we will raise it higher than our relationship with God. We won't recognize it at first. Oftentimes they're good relationships. Why would you raise a bad relationship, right? Like oftentimes it's a relationship that builds us up and gives us encouragement and brings joy to our life. And we come to a place, and I'm going to quote a movie here that's probably so old, most of you. I mean, so old or so new. In Jerry McGuire, where he says to her or she says to him, I can't even remember because it's so disgusting. You complete me. And we're all supposed to swoon and say, that's relationship goals, hashtag. We do that. As sick as we think it sounds and we see, there's a relationship sometimes that we will elevate to a place where it takes the place of God in our lives. And that relationship becomes an idol, just like Gomer does here, where she runs away because there's something in there. And so I would say to you now, is there some relationship that you have that has overshadowed the mighty, pursuant, steadfast, loving God? And if there is, repent, because you are destined for heartache. You are destined to be let down. You are destined to be in bondage. You are destined to give something that you never thought you would give to somebody because they've been elevated higher than God. Repent. Let me also say this. Just as Hosea goes and he gets Gomer and he brings her back away from those relationships, he pursues her and brings her back into the house. never to have anything to do with them again. Many of us in our lives have relationships we should never have anything to do with those people again. They've been abusive to us. They have directed us in ways that have not been honoring to God and or helpful for us. And so there are places where we do have to set boundaries when it comes relationally. Because the brokenness, not that God can't overcome it, because he can. But sometimes there is a place, because of the state of the world that we live in and its fallen nature, that we have to say, I have to wait, I cannot be in relationship with this person. And so you have, in Christ, the right to do that. Now, you can't go, I hate that person, and so that's why I'm not in relationship with them. You you can't go, that person's evil, and that's why I'm not in relationship with them. But you can say, I'm praying for them. Why? Because God says that I should pray for my enemies. And if someone has damaged me, then I probably have placed them in the camp of enemy. (laughs) And so I pray for them, and I seek God on their behalf. Now, think about those Disney princesses. Do you think they would go over as well if all of them possessed what Gomer possessed? Do you you think that people would be taking their little girls and sons to see about the latest Disney princess who's so bad and so mean, and so filthy, that she's not really even worth pursuing. But for some reason, there's this prince that can't wait to go get her. For some reason, there's this prince, who she can't even sing, she can't carry a note, she doesn't talk to animals, and she doesn't dress that nicely. And yet there's a prince who can't wait to find her, can't wait to get her, can't wait to kiss her, to wake her up, or whatever it happens to be. But even more than that, he gives his life for her. Probably wouldn't sell. That's too ludicrous. And that's too crazy. But that is who God is. That is his passionate pursuit for us. And so all of us are broken relationally. And yet God, in the midst of that, brings glory and honor. Why? Because he pursued us in our brokenness, and we can pursue each other in our brokenness. Let's pray. Lord, you are good to us. Let these words be your words. Let them bring glory and honor to you. If they are not your words, we pray that they will burn up and pass away. It's in your name we pray.